me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into DC On Screen, episode 364. DC On Screen, of course, is the show where we talk about the DC Universe on film and television. This is our news episode for the DCEU. Um, I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And uh, pretty much just before we started recording, uh, news dropped that... Um, well, there some pretty significant news dropped about the uh, WGA strike, the impending possible wga strike a writer's guild of america strike so right. uh jason you want to you want to fill us in on that real quick uh well i uh, you had the um you had the down and dirty on like what they were shooting for this time as far as the the dates and time i don't have that pulled up anymore ah, i had to restart right. my computer if you'll recall fair enough all right so basically amptp <laughs> which is the alliance of motion picture and television producers um they they may declare a work stoppage as, as early as may 2nd um, mm-hmm. now the, the thing is we've been through this before. A lot of people remember, you know, 2007 and, you know, let's face it. We all remember losing pushing daisies, mm-hmm. um, as a result of the writer's strike and, uh, strangely Conan getting a little bit better as a result of it. Like I, I kind of wish I just had a DVD <laughs> of Conan during the writer's strike because a, he was a solid human being. He hooked up his writers during the downtime. Uh, mm. so did David Letterman. I don't want to, um. Don't want to leave him out of the uh, the mix there. Like there were there were people who acted like good human beings during the the last strike. But the the fact is, um, this time they voted with like what was it like a ninety six percent approval rating that they might be willing to to do a work stoppage. Yeah, I think it was ninety six point five. Yeah, um, and a huge showing to actually do that. Like it, the, more people voted for this than uh, twice the amount of people voted for this than have ever voted for a president. Um, and the guild at this point is asking for raises in minimums and script fees. They're trying to offset the changes and the nature of like how TV is actually being produced now. Because mm-hmm. you, you need the minimums and you need the script fees because you 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 get a bunch of you get a bunch of orders in, you get a bunch of uh, scripts that come in, and you, you need that to be what uh, basically you need that to be a red and butter because there's a shit ton of it out there, and mm-hmm. um. The, the fact is, like, the, the, the way we watch TV is changing. It's, it's, it, which is true. And that, that's why we had the strike in 2007 was because it, they saw it coming. Like, they, they weren't wrong about whether the, you know, the landscape was changing. But they want, they want parity. Their payment structures for uh, shows on cable and shows that are streaming. And those, those fees are lower than, like, traditional broadcast TV. 
you know, like right. regular ass TV. Um, and you know, and the the problem apparently also is that they they've been running with a <laughs> like a, a health plan budget that's just been consistently in the red for a while. That's gonna come back and bite you at some point. So yeah. they they kind of need a little more money for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they need a little more money for uh for cable um and the the streaming outlets. And this this is a little reminiscent of the 2007 strike when they needed it was the problem was they were still getting paid what they were getting paid when like the deal that the uh, the deal they struck with the, the AMP AMPTP was based on like Betamax and Laserdisc for God's sake mm-hmm. like it it was it had to do with it like home media was experimental so they never had to redo that. That's what they went on. That's one of the reasons they went on strike in 2007. Yeah. Was they didn't want to, like, they were getting this, frankly, they were getting this shady deal about uh, residuals from home entertainment. And the fact that, like, it, I mean, we all remember when, like, VHS, like, a lot of us grew up with VHS being, like, a regular thing in your life. And DVDs took off even more than that before Blu-rays took off even more than that. And then <clears throat> streaming took over, <coughs> sorry, to the point that... It didn't matter anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening, though, was they, they struck over the DVD residuals. And here's where it gets tragic. is It's like you, you want these guys to make more money because these are the unsung heroes of, of Hollywood. Absolutely. Like every bit of love for the producers, the directors, the people that some, sometimes don't get their name called out and they did a great job. But, man, the ideas don't come unless the writers do their job. And mm-hmm. we all know that because if you go back and look at the media that actually came out after the the strike had come out, and it was only like a hundred days, it wasn't long. It was just enough that you saw what would happen if someone wasn't writing. Um, all right, so the DVD residuals, no change. Hundred days, bunch of people lost money, bunch of people lost their mm-hmm. jobs completely. Yep, nothing happened. The other argument was over new media and streaming. They ended up with a. <laughs> It was uh, 1.2% of distributors' gross receipts for rentals and 065 to 07 of gross receipts in general. For ad-supported streaming, writers are granted 2% of gross receipts beyond the initial 17 days. No part of that is what they were going for. Like, that is that is a very cheap deal. Because new mm-hmm. media, is like, cord cutting has become a thing that everyone is familiar with. It's like, there are articles about it at anywhere you want to look. It's, it's, we all know that you cannot have cable anymore and still get all the media you really wanted. Yeah. And they got crap out of that. And mm-hmm. beyond that, um, they, they wanted a little bit more control over, like, what happened in reality and animation. Um, you know, rights. Yeah, they just took that off the table. Yeah. Now, one of the things that's fascinating to me is the guy that was the president of the uh, WGA at the time was Patrick Verone. Mm-hmm. He was a writer for Futurama um, through, I think, throughout all of Futurama. And th- this guy's a this guy's a lawyer. Like Futurama might be. I mean, I, I would put it up there against any other writing team as maybe the single smartest group of people that have ever sat around a table and written a show. Like, I would be absolutely happy to have that contest. I mean, if they play... I think you're forgetting about the writers of Sanford and Son. (laughs) How how many many math doctorates were on that show? (laughs) I forget. (laughs) I'm pretty sure there was an astrophysicist (laughs) on this staff. 
But yeah, like it was it was an extremely well educated group of people. Patrick Verone was the the chosen person to do, like this wasn't they didn't just like throw some idiot at these negotiations. They lost. They lost yeah. a lot of money. They put a lot of like 2007 did not work out. That is the bottom line of it. Is it just did not work out. Now, right now they want to go for um like the idea is is obviously like that they, they want they're trying to take advantage a little bit of the, um, or they're they're trying to get ahead a little bit of the fact that it's a little bit more streaming now, mm-hmm. and that cable is more important than it's ever been. And it, <laughs> God help them, they want health insurance. Who'd have thought? But bastards. Yeah, <laughs> wanting to be insured in case they get all cancered. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a scary time for them because it it kind of it it really objectively didn't really work out for him the first time yeah or 10 years ago at least this is like the third writer's strike if you do it. like there was i think the other one was in 1988 mm-hmm. but it it hasn't traditionally worked out the powers that be have remained the powers that be and they haven't got what they wanted i wish them the best i really do because these these yeah, are the unsung heroes these are the people i respect beyond measure but be careful yeah absolutely yeah <sighs> So, um, any thoughts on how it might affect the the shows that we cover? Uh, we're gonna be good. You think so? Yeah, we're pretty much gonna be good. Um, a lot of the stuff we cover is either already wrapped, like most mm. of the Arrow, uh, like Arrow I know is wrapped. Um, a lot of the CW shows, uh, they just we'll get to it in the TV news, but they just announced their finale dates and they're already, I mean, they're wrapping in like a month. The 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 writing part of it is done. They're gonna be mm. aired before that. That what is it? May second. Um. Yeah, I mean, well, was it the late? It's in late May that most of the finales come out. Yeah, but they've they've uh, a lot of our stuff's yeah. already wrapped, and that means that the the May second pencils down right. um point won't actually affect what we what we're talking about. Yeah, I think Arrow has actually already wrapped, but Arrow I know has already wrapped. I haven't seen any like confirmation of the other shows, but we're we're clearly to the point where like the show's been written and they're working on the last things. Yeah. Gotham and Lucifer have a little bit more of a chance, but like Lucifer they we've talked about it in the past, they've already got like this this arc worked out that was supposed to be this eighteen mm-hmm. episodes that you know it it's got it clearly has an arc that's already been written. Yeah. I think the main thing I'm concerned about is that is uh, it might affect the um, the movies. Films it's, might be delayed. It's 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 possible. Um, it it really might affect the movie, especially like um, you know anything uh, after Justice League. I would assume. Yeah, I mean the Batman has gone through enough as is. The Flash is still just. I mean, we we just reported a few weeks ago that Batman was going through a page one rewrite. Well, you, you can't yeah. you can't do that anymore if, if if there's a writer's strike. You have to literally put put your project down and. You know, stand firm and not write anything. Mm-hmm. So, the movies are in way more trouble than the TV stuff would cover. <laughs> Same as it ever was. Yeah, like I think the TV <laughs> stuff we cover is going to be basically fine, except that if it does last, you know, hundred, hundred and fifty days, we're talking about it ending in like August, and yeah. then we're talking about kind of starting the season with something the producers may have written, mm-hmm. which may which... be weird. It'll probably definitely be, well, I mean, some, most of the producers, you know, are writers on the show. So. Yeah, but if, if you're a writer that has WGA credentials in your pocket, you have to not actually yeah. write. <laughs> you, you're not yeah. allowed to pitch an idea. <laughs> right. It's it's a oh, weird man. thing, man, when they go on strike. It is. 
lot of a lot it of people is. are hurt. It, it backs up. Like it cost millions of dollars last time. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to the other things. Uh, Jared Leto teased a Joker Batman showdown. People are saying, um, basically, he just he retweeted or reposted a, a picture of one of the those hot toys. It looks like. The Hot Toys Jared Leto Joker with a knife to the Hot Toys Ben Affleck Batman. It's a very nice looking picture, but I don't think it goes beyond the fact that it looks cool. A lot of people are freaking out about it, though. Right. Um, Jay Olivia on Twitter posted a picture of a storyboard uh, from the Man of from Man of Steel that he drew of um, Lois and and Superman with uh, like the billowing dust clouds around them. Mm. Um, after he's saved her and says, happy 79th anniversary, Superman. That's pretty cool. Um, nice. Here's, here's a story I love. Uh, some people on Twitter were arguing, fighting about the MCU. And, uh, one guy says, I don't know why people care about what director does, what in the, what director does what in the MCU when none of them get full creative control. Anyway, it's not 100% their film laughing face with the tears. Which I, I hate that emoji, by the way. <laughs> and someone responded with, except James Gunn had full creative control of Guardians of the Galaxy. And this guy goes, he did not. He said in an interview that there's more control than other directors. No, not full. And also that he had more freedom in GOTG too. And um, I could actually, arguing about... I could see that, though. Like, yeah. I could see them being yeah. a little pensive about... Guardians one, and then after it worked, sure. just kind of looking at him, going, "I don't know how you made. I, I don't know how you made that work, but it made a lot of money. Just do your magic. Do yeah, your magic." But they're but they're arguing about you know here's Kurt Russell, the director's freedom between Marvel and and DC. Mm-hmm. And James Gunn just I guess got fed up with it and responded to both of them and said, "But I love DC too, and Jeff Johns rocks, so quit fighting." <laughs> and then Jeff Johns replied, "You rock back, James Gunn." Cannot wait for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Everyone stop fighting. There are other things worth fighting about. Uh, so so coming in 2022, the bromance between Jeff Johns and James Gunn. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I'm so tired of the Marvel versus DC crap. Yeah. I'm ready for a story uh, of two writers who just want to make a thing happen. Right. Two creatives. And respect each other. Yeah. So, um, what is this guy's name? <laughs> Richard Citrone. <laughs> Um, he was a stunt guy for, uh, Affleck's Batman in BVS and in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And, um, he did a really cool interview over at the Holy Batcast podcast. And, um, he talks a lot about, um, some of the, uh, the little bits and pieces of secrets that happened on those sets. Like, um, he talked about the Nightmare Batman sequence was not originally in the script and they kind of just added it in the middle of shooting. Hmm. Um, he said it took a day or two to shoot and, uh, he had trouble sleeping the night before and he was running on about an hour's worth of sleep while he was working on that one. And, um, is that why that man looks a little tired during that scene? I guess so. I'm going to be honest that that one moved a little slow. I didn't notice anything, but, um, yeah, he, he talks about uh, Snyder and Ayer wanting him to do Suicide Squad so that uh, Batman's movements would, would fit in with um, BBS. Um, he said he had to carry Harley from from you know the ocean or whatever, from the water to, mm-hmm. to land 
but Ben Affleck was the one that got to give her mouth to mouth resuscitation and that he and Affleck joked around about it, about that. Um, he says Leto stayed in character in between the, the shots. He said he had a really awkward interaction with, uh, with Leto. <laughs> he said he's on top of Joker's car and they had to take a break to adjust all the lights and stuff and touch up Margot Robbie's makeup. And, um, they had this like, scene where Batman uses a power saw to cut a hole in the roof of Joker's car. Mm-hmm. And Leto is looking up at him from this hole and making creepy sounds and saying stuff like, oh, you're a cute one. Ha <laughs> 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 And he said he smiled, but then immediately realized that Leto was like staying in character in between takes. So he like scowled at him instead. Oh, um, he tried to keep up? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that was pretty cool. So the Holy Batcast podcast, you guys should check out. I'll have a link in the show notes. I like the name. Um, yeah, it's a good name. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad. They released a video effects reel. Um, really cool. Uh, I think it's like you know how they do. They show all the layerings and of the special effects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, a bunch of people are mad because it appears that they made uh, Cara Delevingne thinner. And I mean a little bit, but I think it just made her look. I think they were going to. They were trying to make her look more um, unearthly. Hmm, that's a nice I don't, take. I, I don't think it was. She's also pretty. She's already pretty freaking thin. I don't think. She, they were, yeah, I mean she's she's a she's a felt girl anyway. I don't I don't I know what the difference is going to be here. I thought they were trying to make her. But, but they, they like do they that, that with the cover of magazines all the time, where you're like. Why is this thin girl suspiciously thin? Oh, airbrush. Okay. Yeah. Which is now not a, you know, now it's like, oh, we need, you know, quote unquote, full figured ladies on the cover. Yeah. I'm which down is with funny that. because, yeah, I'm fine with that too. Um, I just think it's funny because they still airbrush the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm full figured on the cover of that magazine. Yeah. How do you feel about all the cellulite they took out? Oh, uh, what, what do you mean? Yeah. That's what I thought. Oh, but we're all I mean, flawed we, people. There isn't a person walking this earth that wouldn't like change something. Absolutely. But <laughs> but I, I I I do agree with the, like the idea of not slimming people unnaturally anymore. It, it just seems mm-hmm. like the right message to send to, <laughs> frankly, to young people. Well, anybody. But you know, let's. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's not even slimming people either. It's. It's got to the point where it's like an uncal- uh, uh, bleh, uncanny valley thing. Like when uh, a <laughs> couple of years ago, two or three years ago, uh, when Eminem made his big comeback, they put him on the cover of a few magazines, and I was like, "You don't even look like a person." Like they <laughs> <laughs> made him look so uh, plastic. Uh, I don't know. It was weird. He anyway. He actually has always kind of looked plastic in a weird way. I, I don't know yeah. how else to describe that, but he always has looked like he could have, like, that if you had kept him in the wrapper, he'd be worth more. Mm hmm. Because he was in mint condition. I'm only saying, you know, maybe don't put out VFX reels that show you actively slimming somebody. Because <laughs> the internet can't handle it. They yeah. don't understand necessarily that there might be reasons other than just, you know, wanting someone to look thinner. Right, right. I mean, to be fair, she was, like, in a body, in, like, this, like, awful, like, nude bodysuit thing. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a VFX artist. I don't know what it takes to, you know. I mean, they applied all of the effects to her skin and all of her clothes to her skin. 
I mean, it looked pretty intense and I really don't know. I mean, like uh, the VFX, the VFX reels, like some of it I get, and some of them, like eh, for all I know, that weird bodysuit she was wearing literally had two inches of padding on each side. I don't know, mm-hmm. and maybe that's her actual size. Or some of it. I mean, but then uh, you know, other pieces were clearly just her skin. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. I couldn't figure out why the helmet had to be applied afterward. I thought that would be yeah. something you could do. I think what I'm getting at and what annoys me the most is, you know, as a person, like, I mean, I draw, I, you know, I take photos, uh, uh, we, we've shot, you know, videos and stuff, but so as a person who somewhat in some small capacity considers himself an artist, it aggravates me at the thought, the, the thought aggravates me that someone's going to be looking at my stuff and telling me that I'm some sort of sexist piece of crap because... I wanted a character to look more bony and supernatural than she already looked. Um, mm. I think that's my problem. Like, it's not yeah. body shaming. It's called narrative and adding to that narrative. Like, is someone going to be, like, looking at, uh, 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 what's his face? Black Flash over <laughs> on the Flash and going <laughs> like, mm, no, he's he's nothing but bones. You guys are awful body shamers. But he's half zombie. I don't know. Just feel like you should be a full-figured zombie. <laughs> you could be a zombie and be full-figured. Yeah. No, and and you're right, though. Like, uh, emaciating a person, and that's the term I want to use here, does kind of creepify mm-hmm. him a little bit. Like, there's a reason mm-hmm. emaciation is not, like, a term we use to say hot. Like, you've never mm-hmm. said, like, oh, my God, that guy or girl is so emaciated. It's amazing. No, that's never happened. Well, you know, I mean, if uh, that I I shouldn't say never. That's happened. I sure, but not in normal circles that I'm. Familiar I want to see. I honestly want to see the amount of people who blew themselves up next to a nuclear bomb because they wanted to look as thin as Superman did in BVS. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Uh, so the Suicide Squad Blu-ray and DVD sales have now surpassed the Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, Captain America Civil War, and Deadpool in terms of uh, uh, their timeline, where they are in the timeline. They've they've outsold them. No. Um, they've trended so, better uh, at this point. Yeah. It's sold, uh, it has now sold 1.6 million Blu-ray copies and 971,026 DVD copies. Oh. Um, Godspeed. And BVS... Sold 1.5 million Blu-ray copies and 619,096 DVD copies. Um, so, yeah. Do what you do, man. Other numbers, but I don't care about them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot to get to. Hit it up. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is uh, apparently getting the same re- the same release date in China that it's getting here. Oh, cool. So we don't have, like, the delayed numbers? Yeah, no. BVS got, like, $100 million from China. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, and you know, as we'll recall, Suicide Squad was banned in the country. Yeah. So, so they got um, zero million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> which is low traditionally. Traditionally. So yeah. So in the U.S. and China, Wonder Woman comes out June second. Cool. Um, so I'm really excited for that, man. I'm looking forward to I that am too. Uh, last week, uh, a woman named Karen Bradley tweeted out to Patty Jenkins that her sister Mel was dying of cancer. And might not make it to the June 2nd release date. And uh, she had a short bucket list. And uh, one of the things on there, aside from meeting Steven Tyler and Johnny Depp, was seeing Wonder Woman. 
So, um, Patty Jenkins says, uh, hi, Karen. I want you and all those following that I've been trying hard all week to figure this out. We want her to see it too. Stand by. So they are trying to get that done. Cool. For those who, uh, who have been following that. Yeah. Um, Entertainment Weekly has released new Wonder Woman concept art. It's beautiful concept art of uh, Diana having already climbed the ladder and walking into no man's land from the foxhole. Mm -hmm. And they're saying um, Gal Gadot, I believe, says, yeah, Gal Gadot says, it's a very powerful moment. We have a character committing to her true self, doing what she believes needs to be done. Uh, They're saying this is the moment where she actually becomes Wonder Woman for real. Um. Yeah, they actually do have it pegged some uh, at this point. Like she's Diana, mm-hmm. and then she has to, you know, commit to some other persona at some point. The article says uh, Diana is thrust thrust toward her destiny after American intelligence officer Steve Trevor crashes near her island, pursued by the army by the German army. Trevor has discovered that German General Erich Ludendorff. Danny Houston has plans to release a chemical superweapon and potentially killing millions. Diana wants to help, convinced that this evil could be could only be the work of Ares, the god of war. Mm-hmm. Trevor escorts Diana to England, where she catches her first glimpse of industrialized London, or man's land, a world she doesn't quite understand, specifically the era's antiquated gender and, so- gender and social norms. But it's this battlefield scene that marks the first time Diana reveals her iconic garb, a moment that Jenkins equates to Superman ripping apart his dress shirt to unveil the S across his chest. Nice. It's when she says, enough is enough. Jeff Johns uh, <laughs> goes a little bit further. He I kind of like this, this though. It's like, all right, all right. You know what? Yeah. Fuck all of this. Yeah. Jeff Johns says, this scene reminds me of when Superman caught Lois and caught the helicopter in the 1978 movie. But this one is even more visceral. So I think that's I think that's cool. Nice. It's gonna be a more now, like um, realistic kind of. Yeah, I like that. All right. Now over on bleedingcool.com, there's a great article. I'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, it's by uh, Mark Seifert. Seifert, maybe. I don't. I'm sorry, buddy. We never get it right. Um, it's, but it's, it's, a, it's a running theme. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it's really cool. Um, He's, he has an article over there that's talking about, he's using that Entertainment Weekly concept art and talking about how it looks like old World War I uh, uh, propaganda posters, essentially. Hmm. Um, like recruitment posters using, as he puts it, iconic warrior goddess characters such as Victory, Liberty, and most importantly, Columbia. Um, and he talks a lot about how like Columbia and the others are never really used uh, are never really cited as um, creation inspirations for Wonder Woman, but they totally were. Nice. Um, and it was the World War One posters, and um, like let's see, as he puts it, uh, like H.G. Peter was a Wonder Woman artist, and he was born in 1880. He was like the Wonder Woman artist for a while, mm-hmm. and. As he puts it, he was born in 1880 and thus was of a prior generation to most of the comic book artists and writers who built the American comic book industry in the World War II era. He was an illustrator for several magazines during World War I, including Life, which is unrelated to the later, more famous incarnation of the magazine, and Judge, among others. A colleague of Peter's during the World War I era was now legendary illustrator James Montgomery Flagg, who is best remembered today for his re-envision reinvention of the Uncle Sam iconography for Leslie's magazine covers, including the famous 
famous I Want You image, which later became a recruitment poster. Little remembered today is the fact that Flagg did the same for another 19th century American icon named Columbia, who can be generally considered as a female counterpart to Uncle Sam. Both Uncle Sam and Columbia, and clearly Columbia-inspired figures, became a frequent subject of popular magazine covers and posters of various kinds done by a variety of artists during the war. Hmm. Um, so anyway, it's just like sort of a, a pre-Wonder Woman history. And uh, he, talk, he just talks a lot about the the how clever it is that they're setting her stuff during World War One as opposed to World War Two to sort of differentiate it not only from Marvel but also like key it into Wonder Woman's true past as being inspired by some of these uh, World War One propaganda posters. Nice, yeah, and that's uh, cool. You know, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, so also cool. Uh, they've started a thing called wonder Wednesday. Um, this past Wednesday, they told us to retweet their tweet of a, of the wonder woman poster for a chance to win an official wonder woman poster. Mm -hmm. Just letting you guys know that the, the official wonder woman Twitter account, uh, is, is running this thing. So, you know, do that. I don't know if you want to participate. Um, now there's a, uh, there's a social media family, people who are in Canada, people who are uh, really famous on social media. I don't know what they're famous for, but um, it's the AB family. Mm. And um, they posted a photo with their daughter uh, posing with Gal Gadot from the Wonder Woman set with the caption, when dad pick, when dad gets to pick the new babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, also there though was, um, Oh, was I can never remember her name, and I don't know why I didn't write it down. Gosh, um, is it Tracy Smith, maybe. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tiffany. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tiffany Smith from the um, I don't know the she's on Collider and she's on the DC um, All Access mm. stuff. Okay. But uh, she had she had photos of the same session. And, um, or she's wearing the gauntlets and stuff and they're, I don't know, it looks like they're doing some sort of, um, fight training and stuff. It, it looked pretty cool, but the same AB family were there gotcha. the, with the same clothes on. So I assume it was from the same session. Mm -hmm. Now, Patty Jenkins is talking about a hopeful sequel for Wonder Woman. She was uh, talking to the Toronto Sun and she says, I'm excited for her to come to America and become the Wonder Woman we are all familiar with from having grown up around her as an American superhero. I'd like to bring her a little farther along into the future and have a fun, exciting storyline that is its own thing. Wonder Woman 1 is so much about her becoming the person she is. I can't wait to spring forward with who she is and have another great standalone superhero film. This sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, it, uh, importantly, it doesn't sound like she's saying if we get another one. More of a win. Sounds like she's yeah, which I'm sure is dependent on how much money Wonder Woman makes. But well, sure, but I love the confidence. Yeah. Now on some Justice League news, uh, you can become a member of the Justice League. Apparently, they have a, a website that promises, uh, you know, like the heads up on exclusive content and sweepstakes, and apparently a timeshare on the league's orbital satellite. I didn't see that on the site, but I saw an article claimed that maybe it was a joke, <laughs> but, uh, you just go in, you confirm you're not a robot. I guess there's no red tornado in this universe. You, uh, you tell them your name and your email. He'd have you an know, override code. I would assume. Right. They're just trying to get your email address right. for things. Uh, also they're, they're, 
promoting this thing with a uh, Justice League poster that includes Superman. Mm. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, over to Aquaman, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen is, has confirmed that he's Black Manta over on Twitter. He uh, posted a message saying, can finally say thank you. The club just got a little more tan and a lot more badass. And he was uh, saying thank you to a tweet from uh, The Rock in, in February. Mm-hmm. When when uh, Rock said, congrats, brother. Couldn't happen to a better dude. Welcome to the club. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's that. Back when that was just a uh, uh, thing that was probably going to happen, but yeah. Uh, Diane Lane says she wants a, a scene with Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure how much how much that matters. It'll probably never happen. Nope. I can't imagine really a need for that. Not likely. Um, now here's here's some exciting stuff. This is my favorite thing of the episode. Joss Whedon cannot stop talking about Batgirl, dude. Like he's just—he <laughs> was at the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two premiere, mm-hmm. and he talked a whole bunch about Batgirl. Um, so he says it's a little early to tease anything besides the existence of it. We weren't even talking about Batgirl; it came up as part of another conversation, and then we got—we all got so excited that the movie suddenly appeared. <laughs> so that's a really good sign to me. It wasn't a slot they were trying to fill. We. I'll just started talking about her and then I couldn't stop. So that's a good feeling. Nice. Um, and we wanted him to come hang out on this team for a while. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Joss Whedon. I was excited when he came on to Marvel. I'm excited now. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just a, Oh, look what Marvel's doing. I hope DC can. No, I, screw that. No, there's I was no perfectly happy copycat with, feeling know. here. It's just, we, no. we know he's a really good creator and we wanted him involved in these properties. Yeah, like I said, like, you know, for years back, I don't know, I've, I've just, I've been into Buffy, I've been into Angel, Firefly, Dollhouse, Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog, all of these things. Yeah. And, uh, oh, the Sing-Along Blog, Marvel, I was incidentally, during the writer's strike. Created during the writer's strike, yeah. Crossing my fingers that, you know, if we do have a writer's strike, that's where we'll get number two. <laughs> <laughs> that he's been promising us for years. That girl musical. That, that'll be, that's what we're going to do. That'll yeah. tide me over. He can just grab his former stuff from Buffy. Yeah. Every single night, the same arrangement. I go out and fight the fight. Fits. <laughs> probably probably not after that, but that's right. I didn't look up lyrics. I knew it. All right. All right. Tell me you wouldn't watch like a Batman Beyond, like Terry McGinnis, the musical. I would. It, it, I would totally watch that. that. I would watch the crap out of it. I really would. Um. So anyway... <laughs> Now, apparently, it's been noted that he was talking about, back in mid-2016, that he was working on a story about a girl who goes through some unbelievable shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that may have been about a comic book, about a Victorian female version of Batman, to some degree, that he was doing. But that hasn't come out. I don't know what happened to that. Mm-hmm. Um but he does say that it is different from everything he's done, except for that, except for that it's exactly the same. To Variety, he says, I have so many things to say about her. I'm very excited to see a girl in the cowl. I don't have my eye on anybody. I feel like I'm creating this character. I'm in a dialogue with her. And then we'll see who joins that later on. I doubt there will be a name. I think this is something where you go and you find Batgirl and then you cast her. I'm not against movie stars. They're great. But you need somebody who's going to be just right. In a, situa- in a situation like this, the name Batgirl carries a lot of weight. So it's not as critical. So, you know. Definitely Vin Diesel. <laughs> he'll uh, he'll cast it right, though. He'll, he'll get it right. 
Over on USA Today, he says, What I'm looking for in a Batgirl is probably somebody new, somebody who is willing to go the distance. It is going to be hard. I want somebody who's going to get in the trenches with me. I know what she looks like in the comic books. We'll deviate if the right person is different. We haven't even begun the conversation, but it's about the spirit she exudes, not exactly what she looks like. So, so it's going to be know, it's going to be Allison Brie. That's what you're saying. I'm not. You're not down. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I I really I don't know. I know it's stupid. I really want her to be a redhead. <laughs> Like a freckly redhead. That's what I want. That's what I want. I feel like there aren't enough freckly redhead superheroes. Gotcha. Okay. But that's just how I know Barbara Gordon. That's just how I know her. That's my, you know, I might be, I'll probably be fine. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't get, I'll try not to get hung up on, I, even though I'm, I still am. I'm a, still am a little bit. I'm like, okay, do, do Ezra Miller. You're spending $400 million on this stupid movie. Why can't you give him some hair dye? Yeah. You know, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. And just like in the Star Trek reboot movies, I'm like, Bones had blue eyes. <laughs> Kirk had dark. Kirk had brown eyes. You're still eyes. in order to, uh, about Gal Gadot's eyes. Yeah, I kind of wanted him to be blue. Yeah. But then again, you know, I look at uh, Brandon Routh in Superman Returns and his blue eyes and went, because they actually went the distance and put it, gave him, you know, the blue eyes, and it looked weird. <laughs> <laughs> it looked, I mean, it kind of looked alien, but it also looked a little cheap. Yeah, there have to be some limits. Anyway, I mean, and why would you go the extra, why would you go the distance to give, you know, Gal Gadot or Henry Cavill blue eyes in the Superman or Wonder Woman movies when you were just kind of, you know, Instagram the whole thing? Right. I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little weird. I'm a little weird about it. Like, I, I want them to look more like the comic book counterparts. Like, it bothers me, even going back to the 90s Flash series. I'm like, why is Barry not blonde? Why? <laughs> what was, was the issue there? He was like there? a dirty blonde. No, he wasn't. He, there, was some, there was some blonde in there. He was straight up brunette, dude. Just straight brunette. Like straight up, like, dark brown hair. Oh, I remembered some blonde <laughs> hanging around. Anyway, that's just my hang-up. Don't worry about it. That's okay. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um someone asked him if he would be open to an alicia silverstone cameo because she played batgirl in batman and batman and robin he said it hasn't crossed my mind i'm not against it but i'm not looking for easter eggs i'm tr- still trying to write a movie <laughs> no don't do that <laughs> um to thr joss whedon says batgirl came up and i started getting obsessed with how a young woman could get hardcore enough to need to put on a cowl. Like, what's her damage? She didn't have her parents killed in an alley. Who is this person who decides, rather than being forced to by their childhood childhood trauma, decides to pick up this life? How intense and driven that person is. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Hmm. Now, do you, you want to know what Kevin Feige thinks about it all? Yes. You know Kevin Feige is the president of uh, Marvel Entertainment. Of course. And, kind of the uh, guiding force right to, now. Yeah, he talked to THR. And uh, he said, Whedon called a couple of months ago, which he didn't have to, and it was super cool of him and super nice of him, and we could not be more supportive. We want to see a Joss Whedon Batgirl. Hmm. A Joss Whedon Batgirl film would be awesome. Why did he have to call, though? He said he didn't have to call. He didn't have to call, but it was just super cool of him to do. Oh, just to say, hey, I'm going to go play for the other team for a second? Yeah. He said... he he totally said. I just read that. He said he didn't have to call. <laughs> he didn't have to do. 
I mean, yeah, yeah super but like, cool and super nice of him. He still did. So, I, I, all right. So it's just like a. Yeah, I think he was just being courteous. Just being courteous, like, hey, I'm gonna go hang out with the uh, guys you directly compete with for a second. <clears throat> um, yeah. Forgive me if it ends up making them millions of dollars. Right, which it will. Yes. Uh, so again, Mark uh, Seifert from Bleeding Cool mm-hmm. says uh, that he thinks that there's a good chance. And this is conjecture, but he thinks there's a good chance that there's going to be a uh, man that Man of Steel two will come out next year, in time for the 80th anniversary. He points out that you know Warner Brothers has always done a really good job with that kind of thing, and uh, he also points out that there's an untitled DC film set for July 27th, 2018. Uh, so that's just I just thought that was interesting. Not much news there, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'd like. But he it. also thinks the he refers, you know how like John Berg was like, hey, you didn't tell me we were doing four Batman movies in 2019. Because <laughs> 2019 would be a big anniversary for Batman. Mm-hmm. And he's he's calling those uh, non-denials. He still thinks that there's something going on over there. Oh, of yeah. course. I don't know. <laughs> so, okay, over to DC Films. <laughs> um. Heath Ledger's sisters are coming out against the claims that him playing the Joker had a hand in him dying. And this is all, of course, uh, this is all coming to the forefront because of a a documentary that's about to be released in May called I Am Heath Ledger. Um, The documentary is going to have a limited theatrical release, and then there's going to be a shortened 60-minute version on Spike on May 17th. And um, Derek Murray uh, directed the, the film. Kate Ledger said he wasn't depressed about the Joker. Honestly, it was the absolute opposite. He had an amazing sense of humor, and I guess only his close family and friends really knew that, but he was having fun. Ashley Bell, his other sister, said uh, that they were really confused by all the rumors about his depression. Um, She said, I was coming out, it was coming out that he was depressed, and it was taking a toll, and we were going, what? (laughs) Now, I mean, if you, do you remember what they, what actually came out that he, that killed him uh what was the was, yeah what were the specs it was it was like six different medications it was uh a mixture of oxycodone uh hydrocodone basically vicodin mm-hmm. uh valium xanax restoril and uh unisom which basically boils down to diazepam alprazolam temazepam uh doxal doxylamine I can't say these words, um, but yeah, it, it, you know, they say that, uh, a lot of people were saying that he like dove so deeply into the twisted mind of the Joker that he started taking all these sleep medications to sleep, uh, cause of all the frightening thoughts he had. And, uh, they're saying that's not true. Hell, even Jack Nicholson said that. No, I, I mean, that's just a lot of medications to take at one time. Like there is yeah, no reason just... to apply reason to that series of medications that's not supposed to be taken together Mm-mm. you're just not supposed to do that like yeah uh, th- all, all of that is basically like it, it's designed to stop your body from from uh feeling any pain and then uh, the other parts of it are designed to stop your body from noticing things and then the last part's designed to stop your uh, body from needing to b- breathe and be yep. awake. Like it, mm-hmm. It's entirely possible 
that you could just make a bad decision, take all those on one night, or even, you know, get to the point where you're like, and medication sneaks up on you. Like, you could you could be on all those and, and think you had it under control and just take a little bit more than you had to one night. Like, I think this is what happened to Brian Epstein, the uh, the, the Beatles manager. He just took a little more than he, he should have that night. I don't think he committed suicide. Yeah. I just think he just I mean, they wasn't in control. The ledger thing an accident. They they ruled ledger an accident. Yeah, I I don't think it was deliberate at all. It just you 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 just lost a little bit of control there. You know. Yeah. And it's a dangerous set of things to have all prescribed to the same person. Mm-hmm. So uh, popping over to his co-star though, Christian Bale was uh, being interviewed by Steve Frosty Weintraub over at Collider, and um, Steve says. Or should I say Frosty? What do you prefer? <laughs> what do you What do you prefer, Steve? He says, "When I put on Twitter that I was going to be talking to you, I always try to ask something that the fans want to know, and a lot of them asked basically about you doing another superhero movie. Would you be interested in working with Marvel? Is being involved in another superhero film something that you are looking to do? Because it does feel like the genre is only getting bigger." When I thought it might be slowing down by now, Bale says, "No, I'm not interested in doing that. I've never seen. I'm trying to think if that's correct." I think I'm actually correct. I can't remember a single superhero film that I've ever watched apart from the ones I made and like the Christopher Reeve Superman films. <laughs> and Frosty says, I was just going to ask you if you've seen the Super- the Christopher Reeve Superman movies by Richard Donner. He says, yes. Yes, I love those. Other than that, no, I've never seen anything. Frosty says, it's interesting because the genre itself on TV and film seems to get bigger and bigger every year and you wonder when it might slow down. It's just crazy how popular it is. Bell says, right, yes, I have no understanding of it, and I'm completely blind to it. Lovely. <laughs> so, sorry. We're talking about guys. a time where, like, Hellboy was out in theaters. I mean, I remember seeing that in the same theater that I watched uh, Batman Begins, for God's sake. Like, it... it... <sighs> I feel like Bale is always, every time they bring anything like this up, it's just, I feel like Bale is always just like, yes, I understand. You think you're, I'm one of you because I wore a costume. I'm not one of you. Get your grubby paws off of me. Yeah, he does that. I, I, I don't like you. You're pieces of shit. That's the way I feel. <laughs> He's always. I took a role. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I took a role that purposefully undermined the character you love so much. Why do you think I want anything to do with this? Right. Anyway, uh, some someone on on the internet here took a screenshot of every time he felt that Superman saved somebody to prove a point, and uh, Man of Steel and BVS. It was kind of funny. Oh, cool. Um, just trying to combat the the argument that Superman never saves anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says saves children from drowning, saves people from burning to death, saves Lois from bleeding to death, surrenders to humanity to protect to protect them from Zod, saves Lois from burning to death in the atmosphere, saves Martha Kent from General Zod, saves a pilot from Feora, protects humanity from the Kryptonians. Saves Soldier and asks him if he is okay. Saves Colonel Hardy from Feora. Saves humanity from extinction by destroying the world engine. Saves Lois from falling to her death. Saves humanity from extinction by the hands of General Zod. Stops a drone strike. Saves Lois from getting shot. Countless articles of him helping people. Saves a girl from burning to death. It goes on. <laughs> Very nice. I don't know why, but I thought that I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Saves people on a capsized ship. Like, just... <laughs> saves astronauts from dying in an explosion That's, they stretch a few times eh, inspires probably. Bruce Wayne to be a better man eh, is that really <laughs> is that really how it went down 
Maybe not, yeah. but you know, still, still worth talking about. For some reason, my favorite one is Save Soldier and asks him if he is okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, that's gonna do it for this episode, this DCEU episode. Um, we are DC on Screen. You can find every episode of DC on Screen for free at DCOnScreen.com. Did you know it's for free? Because I say it every time, but I don't ever mention that it's free. I always talk about the DCOnScreen.com. Well, you always say, we, don't have like you always mar- say we can be found. I'm not sure you've mentioned that it's for free. Yeah, I've never, oh no, I've never mentioned that it's for free. But I was just, I've been listening to a lot of, a lot of the WTF podcast with Mark Maron. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, you know what? You can go to his po- his site, but is, that shit costs money. Yeah. I, I, I think the, uh, the problem is that there's not a version of us that's not for free. So it's just never been yeah. worth mentioning. Yeah. So we're free, guys. We are whores. <laughs> I was going to go to the same place. We're not even prostitutes. We're just whores. Yeah. We're just disgusting nope. people. Prostitutes get paid. Anyway, that's right. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, DC on screen, one word. Uh, and now, as of like yesterday, you can call us at 205-259-6331 and leave us a voicemail. And we can put that right in the show and react to it. And you will hear your own voice on the podcast and recoil at the sound sound of of your own voice because it's terrible. That's what happens. That's what we do. We're numb to it now with us. But I'm I'm still (laughs) like appalled every time I go back and listen to 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 what we've created. This is science. This is scientifically uh, accurate, though. Like I, I'm backed by yeah. a, a huge amount of em, uh, uh, empirical evidence. Like it, people don't like the sound of their own voices. So um, I encourage you to do this. Ask us questions. I encourage you also to not worry about it. All right, you sound fine. Yeah, you're fine, man or woman. I'll be like, you sound fine, and you can look around at me and go, I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, my 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 Batman nineteen eighty nine guys, you understand that joke. And right? sure it'll be creepy for a second. It'll it'll be, but you know, we'll all make it through it. Yeah. So if you if you just can't handle actually giving us a call, you can drop us a line at DC on screen at gmail dot com. Again, we're on Facebook and Twitter, mm-hmm. so uh we're also proud members of the Giant Size Team Up Network, GiantSizeTeamUp.com. A lot of cool shows over there. And uh, if you love our show, please recommend us to as many friends as you believe will enjoy. It really does help us out. Um, you know, it's uh, probably a better call than asking you to review things. It's probably easier. Yeah, probably is. Um, like a, like a, a quick mention at a water cooler probably does us a lot more good, to be honest. Right, right. And just insert us into whatever conversation you're having. It's fine. Yeah, it's like you know. in, in the middle of like... I've loved you for 14 years. You know who I've loved Would for 14 years. Would you marry years? me? Also, have I told you about DC on screen? <laughs> um. <laughs> I loved my grandfather for the 44 years that I was um. here. He was always the greatest man that I knew. But what I know is that he loved DC on screen. Yeah. And I would like everyone in the congregation to just take a moment and think about DC on screen. And maybe tag that. Maybe look it up on, on Stitcher or whatever it is you use. Right. iTunes. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. then we can talk about God, and I'll 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 have the preacher come up later. But for now, if you could just talk about DC on screen, right next to this casket, mm-hmm. I think that's what he wanted. Right. Maybe one day we'll have merch, like a big sticker that you can put on your grandfather's casket. Right. It says DC on screen podcast. Yeah. Oh my lord, we're going. We're leaving. We're doing. We've still got a DC TV show to do. He's gonna be so, cremated um, in five minutes, but we'll still put the sticker on there. It's five minutes of visibility. Right. No such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> there's there's one technician that's gonna be very curious and probably look it up later. Like, who thought this was right. worth it? Shit. <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> Until next time. I'll guys. stay quiet. I'll stay quiet. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Keep some DC on your screen. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th.